You're listening to NBS Cast with hosts Rachel Edwards and Brayton Hines. Welcome back to NBS Cast. I'm your host, Rachel, and today I am very excited for two reasons. One, I have a different co-host today. Today we have Brayton Hines, who is one of our culture interns on as my co-pilot today. So say hey to everybody, Brayton. Hey, everybody. Hope you're having a great week, and it's great to be back hosting the podcast. Yeah, we're excited to have you back on for sure, Brayton. And the second reason I'm excited is because we get to speak to one of our pathway interns about something kind of interesting. And I don't want to give it away fully uh, before we get into the interview portion, but we have Daniel Goldstein on with us today. Say, hey, Daniel. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Nice to have you on the show. So before we jump in to start talking about what we're here to discuss today, Daniel, we would love to get to know you a little bit better. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and what you're studying in your coursework at school? Sure thing. So I am a Nelnet Solar Pathway intern, I'm currently uh, working with Nelnet Renewable Energy. Um, I'm from Buffalo Grove, Illinois, uh, which is in the Chicago area, and I am a senior electrical engineering student at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and uh, my passion is for technology and engineering and business, and more specifically, sort of where they meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. Cool. And also, fellow Illinois native here, that's where I'm located, so awesome. (laughs) Definitely not in the Chicago area, but always like to hear from other people in the state, so... Glad that you're on board with us here. So, Daniel, what are some of your favorite things to do around the Chicago area? Um, For me, when I think of Chicago, I think of home. So for me, it's spending time with my family, um, my parents, my siblings, and uh, my grandparents still live in the Chicago area. So that's probably my favorite thing to do. But outside of that, uh, the food and nightlife in Chicago is some of the best. Um, Grew up going to the Shedd Aquarium, the Field Museum, and my favorite, the Adler Planetarium. Um, one of my other favorite things to do in Chicago is go to Cubs games. Uh, Chicago has some of the best sports teams in the world, even if, uh, they're currently not doing the best right now. That's all right. (laughs) Um, I'm actually going to, uh, a bears game on Christmas Eve, uh, over winter break. So I'm really excited for that. Ooh, fun. That sounds awesome. Do you also like to do like improv? I know second city has a great location up there. Is that something you're interested in? Um, not necessarily. Um, my fair mom, enough, fair enough. my mom is really into Broadway shows though. And Chicago is a great scene ah. for that. So she's seen, uh, Fiddler on the Roof, uh, Rent, um, and some other major shows that have toured through the city. Yes, it, that you're so right. I just went to Aladdin earlier this year. That was super fun. The genie was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So Daniel, As one of the first few pathway interns that are specifically assigned to our Nelnet Renewable Energy Division, what's your experience been like? And how are some of those experiences kind of like different even within the same division? What does that look like for you? I have absolutely loved my time um, working for Nelnet Renewable Energy so far. Um, My previous rotation was on the marketing team, and I'm currently working on the commercial and industrial sales team. 
Mm. Um, typical Pathway interns might do one rotation in solar, but um, Nelnet Renewable Energy has grown enough to support interns to stay dedicated to Nelnet's solar business. And uh, for me personally, I am absolutely loving the business experience because I take strictly engineering classes. So for me, this internship has exposed me to new topics that I wouldn't really get in the classroom. I mean, yeah, that sounds like a great experience. So, and I, I did not know that the Pathway program and Nelnet Renewable Energy specifically has grown so much that we can have a dedicated Pathway rotation where you stay in Nelnet Renewable Energy the whole time. I think that's so cool. A fun fact, Rachel, I was actually a uh, Nelnet Renewable Energy Pathway intern as my first rotation of my Pathway internship last year. Mm -hmm. But uh, since then, interestingly enough, they've made it an entire uh, pathway in itself, something that was not available last year. And from what I understand, the whole revenue and business model has also changed for Mm -hmm. the Renewable Energies program at Nelnet. Daniel, could you talk about what some of the current business uh, specialties or offerings are now with the Renewable Energies program because from what I remember over a year ago, uh, things have changed completely. Mm. Yeah. Um, so NRE provides um, a slate of different services. Um, we provide residential solutions. So turnkey solutions for homeowners, meaning we do panel installation. Um, before that, we do engineering design. Um, we also work with uh, electric vehicle chargers and battery backups. And the goal of this is for homeowners to achieve energy independence. Um, The initial investment into solar is expensive, but the goal is to generate all of your electricity and then eventually sell energy back to utility companies, um, which is great for long-term ROI. Um, Also on that note, NRE uh, does commercial solutions, um, which is the same idea, but on a larger scale uh, for businesses. And uh, business owners may also see tax credits and other benefits from going solar. So it's definitely Mm. very appealing to them. Um, NRE also does financial services related to solar, uh, such as tax equity funding um, to help clients co-invest on large-scale uh, solar projects. Um, and also government policies, such as the Inflation Reduction Act, is actively helping the entire solar industry by providing even more incenti- incentives to uh, solar investors. Yeah, I think it's exciting to watch solar energy gain more and more traction because it's such a clean version of energy. And I know for sure we need to be investing more in cleaner energy as a country and as a planet. So I really like hearing how things change and how this gets expanded and different business models that get introduced into the industry because promoting solar energy, I think, is going to be huge for our country going forward to make sure we are more efficient in how we're consuming energy and the byproducts of consuming that energy. So very exciting to hear a lot of those things. So, Daniel, let's talk more about your background as an electrical engineering student. So uh, some people, one, might be interested in how that background and your studies play into what you're doing right now in your internship for solar and renewable energy. So I'm going to break this up and ask, can you just explain a little bit of what that's like for you? And then we'll get into the, the second part of this question here. So um, through my classes, I've studied uh, electrical design of uh, solar panels and uh, power systems on a large mm-hmm. scale. So for me, uh, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I don't know how these services are marketed. I don't know how these services are sold. And mm-hmm. um, 
I think coming in with a sort of technical background um, is a great context um, for the industry as a whole. So my goal is to just learn as much as I can through this internship. And I've been really lucky to be on some amazing teams with some amazing people that are very invested in my learning. Um, so being able to provide value to my team while still learning and improving upon my knowledge of solar energy in other mm -hmm. ways outside of the classroom has just been incredibly beneficial to me. Yeah, for sure. So could you also give us a just very basic explanation of what those principles look like when you are working with solar panels? How does it work? What are the the dynamics or what what's the mechanics behind how a solar panel works and provides energy to whatever is using the solar panel, a home, a business? What does that look like? Sure. So I'm sure our viewers are familiar with what solar panels look like. Um, mm -hmm. They're these rectangular sort of pieces of metal and other material. So the non-metal material that actually absorbs energy from the sun, uh, those are called PV cells, which uh, PV stands for photovoltaic. Um, and these PV cells uh, utilize semiconductors to basically absorb energy from the sun. And then also mm. connected to these panels um, are a piece of equipment called inverters. And inverters are able to take that uh, energy from the sun, which is in DC voltage, and convert it into usable energy that we can use to charge our phones, power our mm. homes and businesses. Um, and that is AC energy. And this okay. AC energy is then sent to the power grid uh, for the end consumer to be able to use. Mm. Okay. So I think I understood most of that. <laughs> Don't, uh, I'm not super familiar with a lot of the technical terms, but to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're basically charging a big battery that you can then use to power your different devices in your home. Am I accurate in describing that or is that wrong? Exactly. Another good way to look at it is um, plants use photosynthesis to convert energy from the sun mm -hmm. into usable energy for plants to grow. Um, mm -hmm. it's the sort of same idea, converting energy from the sun, but instead of a plant growing, it's used to power our lives. Okay. Great comparison. Daniel, one thing I'm curious about is how different variables, such as the amount of light, uh, connectivity to the local electrical grid, overall climate and other conditions play a part in the effectiveness of the solar panel, uh, developments and stuff like that. Cause you know, they're like states like California have around a, a quarter of their energy, their total statewide energy is coming from solar at a, at a time like this. And then you have other states like Nebraska and South Dakota with virtually zero percent of their uh, energy coming from solar. I'm curious how uh, different states are able to utilize solar differently uh, and maybe solar is more beneficial to different states because of the these different variables. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. States like California and Arizona have very well-developed solar industries, but that is not to discount other states. Uh, states like Colorado, Illinois, and New York have um, extremely rapidly growing industries, and this is also assisted by state governments providing incentives for solar investors. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, solar obviously works better in sunny climates, but to mm -hmm. sort of combat this, um, the development of battery backups and battery reserves um, is growing in demand for the growing technology that is happening in the solar industry. Um, 
But at the same time, um, in terms of battery reserves, uh, there needs to be a sustainable way to do this. Um, and actually, a growing trend in the industry is reusing old batteries, such as ones in uh, older electric vehicles, to use as battery backups in solar projects. Hmm. That sounds really interesting. So <laughs> I, I've had a thought as we've been sitting here chatting, and if you can't answer this, totally fine, because this was not part of the developed question list that we sent you. But I would love to know, I've always wondered, when you're thinking about solar energy and these battery-powered cars that are becoming more and more popular, like Tesla models, things like that, that don't use any kind of traditional fuel. It's all powered by batteries. What is the likelihood of having a car that can be powered by solar energy or having solar panels on a car that allow the battery to charge versus plugging it into a charging station either at home or uh, when you're out and about? Do you know, has there been a lot of talk about that in the industry or is that even a possibility? Um. The only problem with having solar panels on top of a car is that it does affect the sort of aerodynamics of the vehicle. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. actually, Brayton and I have a friend who built a camper to haul around on the back of his truck uh, when he goes camping. And he installed solar panels on the top of his camper. And when mm -hmm. he goes camping, he's able to charge his phone, turn on the lights, uh, power a generator, all powered by the sun when he's sort of off the grid. So mm -hmm. it is feasible to an extent. Okay. I've, I've always wondered about that, especially as solar energy has grown more and more popular and now we've got electric cars. How can we pull solar into charging these cars so you don't have to be dependent on a charging station? So I'll be interested to see how that develops over the years. But anyway, you've satisfied my curiosity on that for right now. Let's <laughs> go back to the questions that we're here to talk about today. So I would also love to know, you've talked to one of your local professors, uh, and he's a, also kind of a resident subject matter expert, while you were preparing to talk about this concept of solar and renewable energy. So I'd love to know, what were some of the things that you discussed with this professor, and what did that look like? What were some of the, the things that he said to look forward to or to just be thinking about when it comes to renewable energy in general? Sure. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Professor Jerry Hudgens, who is actually the chair of the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department um, at the University of Nebraska. Uh, he's been the chair of the department since 2004 um, and was very happy to share his knowledge with me. Um, and our discussion, we talked a lot about um, current research going on at UNL related to renewables. Um, mm stuff that I was honestly unaware of, but one area of research uh, that is definitely growing at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln is in biofuels. So ethanol mm -hmm. is um, a product that is used in uh, gasoline and other petroleum products. Um, and Nebraska is actually a leader in the United States for ethanol production. So mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of research going on um, related to enhancing ethanol production. And specifically, um, the university is looking into a variety of feedstocks to be used in ethanol production, and uh, the byproducts of this production can be repurposed, um, which is more sustainable. So distilled grain is a byproduct of ethanol production, and mm -hmm. research is currently being done to convert this distilled grain into cattle feed, 
which I mm. thought was really interesting, uh, making the process even more sustainable. Um, mm -hmm. Some other research being done at UNL is related to wind energy and wind turbines. Uh, specifically, Dr. Wei Chow uh, is currently reading, leading this at the University of Nebraska. Um, and he was able to employ advanced signal processing techniques to analyze um, sort of wind turbine health. Um, so by analyzing signal patterns in, um, embedded in the sort of current waveform, uh, you are able to detect wear and tear on turbine blades and bearings, obviously because they're moving parts, they're moving all the time. Uh -huh. They're finding ways to monitor the health of these moving parts. And actually, General Electric has adopted this research and has started incorporating it into their wind energy products. So I think it's incredibly cool how the University of Nebraska-Lincoln is leading the industry for wind energy research. And mm -hmm. um, we sort of talked about that. And then um, the rest of our conversation sort of revolved around the future for renewable energy. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting, the research that we're doing at the university into wind turbines uh, and, and the maintenance of them, the preventative maintenance of them. I'm sure General Electric is saving a lot of money by uh, acquiring that. We've obviously took more of a turn towards renewable energies in general with this conversation. Daniel, I'm curious, what, do you, what does the future of renewable energy look like to you? Sure. So beyond solar, um, I think the conversation needs to shift to the energy grid as a whole. So mm. even though coal and natural gas plants, um, they're currently being phased out. However, currently, they still play a key role in the overall makeup of the U.S. power system. And we still should be concerned with maintaining them while other renewable options are increasing in efficiency and power production. Um, and beyond solar, uh, talked about wind energy, but hydrogen and nuclear energy are also extremely viable options moving forward for a sustainable future. So I know we've talked a lot of technical things while we've been having this conversation about renewable energy, solar energy. But Daniel, I would love to know what makes you passionate about renewable energy? What excites you about it? Um, for me, with my engineering background, I think the technology is incredibly cool and revolutionary and um, will prove to be a need for um, civilization for the next decades and hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. the part that specifically interests me, but also the impact that renewables have on, mm -hmm. um, on our world uh, in terms of reducing greenhouse gases and assisting with climate change. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like public opinion is very aware of the problems we face as a society when it comes to climate change. And the solution mm -hmm. is at our fingertips and it's kind of on us um, to invest in the future of renewables. Yeah, definitely. So I do have one just final wrap up question. Uh, what advice would you give to a listener who is interested in learning more about just renewable energy in general, but maybe doesn't know where to find the information or to get started. What are some resources or things that you would have them tap into to just learn some more about this industry? Um, the first answer that came to my mind was YouTube. There are many uh, yeah. solid content creators out there that um, are able to take these sort of complex topics and engineering principles and sort of 
put it into layman's terms and make it a little bit easier to understand, um, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit better than I could. But I would highly encourage our <laughs> listeners to log on to YouTube and search solar energy, future of renewable energies, and uh, really dig into what's out there. YouTube is a great resource to learn just about anything. So definitely support that. Well, Daniel, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about renewable energy and solar energy and how Nelnet is participating in advancing those things. Uh, We just really appreciate your time and your research that you've put into this to share with us today. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be a part of the NBS cast today. Thanks for having me. Well, again, huge thanks to Daniel for coming on the show today and talking about Nelnet Renewable Energy and solar and the future of that field. It was such a great conversation, very uh, enlightening. Now we get to do our segment, but before we hop into our segment topic, uh, we have a very exciting announcement. As we mentioned in our previous episode, Tommy is no longer our co-host. He has accepted a full-time position and we're very excited for him to go off on this new journey uh, and set off on this new career path. So if you're still listening, Tommy, congratulations and we miss you. But we have a new co-host on the show. We have Brayton Hines, who is our culture intern. Along, He was along with Tommy. Now he's our only culture intern at this point. But Brayton, welcome back. We're glad to have you, and we're glad to announce that you are our new co-host. How do you feel? I feel great. First off, uh, big congrats to Tommy for securing a full-time job. That's great. We're sad to have him leave, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Couldn't be happier to start off the new year with some more podcasts, so I'm ready to get into it. All right. Well, speaking of, let's get into our segment for today, which, Brayton, this was your idea, and I'm really excited to talk about it. We're going to talk about cooking. (laughs) Woo! Uh, I've been on a cooking kick lately, so I'm really excited to get through and talk through some of uh, cooking tips and recipes. So let's jump in and get started. Uh, You want to go ahead and take the lead since you wrote the question list? For sure, Rachel. First question's an easy one. It's, are you a recipe follower or more of a recipe originator? You like to cook by the book or (laughs) kind of write your own book? I definitely am a recipe follower, but I'm also a recipe tweaker. So the first time I make mm. something, I try to follow as closely as I can to see, do I like the baseline and then evaluate? Does it need more garlic? Does it need more salt? Does it need more of this other flavor? So definitely like following, but making tweaks if I remake that in the future. How about you? For me, I'm definitely much more of a recipe originator, uh, mostly just because I start cooking and then my phone screen turns off and my hands already (laughs) dirty or I've been cutting up chicken breasts and uh, messing with those. And pretty much just because my phone turns off, I would say I just have to start winging it and kind of gets a little intense. So I'm just throwing ingredients in there. Don't want to overcook stuff, obviously, Mm. but I find it uh, a little bit too much pressure to be to be <laughs> a recipe follower, but I do like uh, originating my own recipes. All right. I have to ask, what do you feel is the best recipe you've originated so far? Mm. Last week I uh, made, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the most original recipe, but uh, I, I cooked up some chicken thighs after the gym. It was really good. Just uh 
just kind of pan seared the chicken thighs and then cut up some garlic after those were done, threw the garlic in the pan and some uh, some butter and some mushrooms, mm. and then uh, sauteed those up for a little bit, threw some onion in there, threw some spinach in there towards the end, kind of let it wilt up a little bit, and then... Um, put a little bit of cheese blend in there and just a just a touch of heavy cream mm. and then I made some uh, orzo too I've been big on orzo lately I didn't even realize it was actually pasta and not rice but fun fact orzo is one of the better noodles in my opinion so then I made some orzo too and uh, kind of put a little bit of cheese in there so it was kind of like a almost mac and cheese orzo mm. and then through the uh, mushrooms and spinach on top of that and then had the chicken cut up with all that too and it was a really good uh, high protein meal and uh, really tasty too mm. that sounds delicious <laughs> I'm gonna have to about, try that <laughs> yeah yeah pretty easy too like uh, as long as you don't mess up the steps or anything <laughs> how about you though anything you've been making recently yeah uh, for the winter months I've been on a roasted veggie kick. Uh, I mm. love just chopping up some good root vegetables, onion, sweet potato, regular potato, carrot, uh, throw in some broccoli and some Brussels sprouts, drizzle it with oil, put a little seasoning on there and roast them in the oven until they're nice and tender. I love making that with some rice and some chicken thighs in the crock pot with some honey garlic marinade. So mm. You just mix it all together when it's all done, kind of like a grain bowl. And then I like to make a little homemade honey mustard sauce and put on top of that. It is amazing. That does sound really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, definitely a go-to recipe of mine. Um, Brayton, where do you get cooking inspiration, though? Where do you find new recipes or new ideas? Uh well, you know from my from my lunch and learn last year, but I get a lot of inspiration from ChatGPT actually. But mm -hmm. then beyond that, mostly just uh, experimenting in the kitchen. Um, me and my girlfriend like to cook a lot, just as kind of like a, a just a substitute date night kind of a situation. <laughs> just so we got a meal too, and uh, we get better at cooking. So a lot of the time, we're just um, we'll just be cooking up dinners, and then. Uh, I kind of, she, she's a much better cook than me. So I would say, I guess <laughs> I get inspiration from her and, uh, definitely become a better cook in the past six to 10 months, I would say. But how about you, Rachel? Where do you get your cooking inspiration from? Uh, I am on a YouTube slash TikTok slash Instagram reel kick mm. right now. And mm -hmm. I love watching people make Korean food. I have so many Korean recipes that I want to try just saved in my playlists. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bought enough ingredients to make a cucumber kimchi. Um, I haven't made it yet, but I'm going to be doing that this week. I want to make dekboki, which is a <laughs> rice cake based dish. And it's also kind of spicy. So I've got some gochujang and different ingredients to make that sometime this week too. Uh, I just, I love watching them make the food and Korean food is 
beautiful. I mean, yes. it's all in the side dishes with Korean food and how you put it all together on the plate. I mean, it, they just make it look so delicious. So that's where I've been inspired was just watching those Korean cooking videos and figuring out where I can find ingredients in my area as best as possible. I live in a really small town, so we're kind of mm -hmm. limited on the ingredients that we can get around here. But I think I have uh, enough of a good idea of how I can at least put together some of those things. So I'm excited. Yeah, Korean food is one of my favorite kinds of foods. I was recently out in Denver and had Korean two times. One was uh, a Korean barbecue that was really oh, yeah. expensive, <laughs> but <laughs> so, so good. Something about um, Koreans is they make really good and tasteful uh, sauces, I feel mm -hmm. like. So a Korean barbecue, you cook up the little slice of meat and dip it in the Korean uh Gojujang or whatever. I'm yep. definitely butchering the pronunciation, but <laughs> but uh, that's a really good sauce. And then I had Korean fried chicken in Denver. Yes. If anybody who's listening is in Denver, check out, I believe it's called Mono or Mono Chicken mm. um, in the Wheat Ridge area. It is so good. It's like canes, but with a little bit of a little bit saucier. Yeah, a little more sweet, a little more spicy for mm -hmm. the most part. Oh my gosh, I love Korean fried chicken. It's so good. Me too. How about a kitchen gadget, Brayton? What are you using in the kitchen? What makes cooking easier for you? Uh, this is going to be a mainstream one, but it's something that I feel like people should not skimp out on. It's a meat thermometer. Mm -hmm. I feel like it, it doesn't cost much to get uh, an upgraded meat thermometer. A cheap one's going to be like $2, but a nicer one's probably 15 to 20 But if you get an instant read meat thermometer, it's such a game changer in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. For years, I was cooking, trying to, trying to, um, tr was it, uh, thermometerize, <laughs> read the temperature <laughs> of, of, uh, chicken and other meats with just a like a old-fashioned meat thermometer and you had to stick it in and wait like 10 minutes with the, yeah with the dial on it with the dial yeah now i got a now i got a thermo pop and it was one of the best purchases i've ever made and yeah. haven't eaten undercooked meat since so i would say <laughs> really couldn't live without the the thermo pop meat thermometer how about you rachel yeah, that's a pretty good one. Uh, one I've picked up recently, which I've been staunchly opposed to, but I think I might be sold on it now is the garlic press. Um, mm. I don't really like chopping garlic. And I read a book by Anthony Bourdain um, <clears throat> called Kitchen Confidential. And it's it's kind of a memoir mixed with him talking about why restaurant food is so good. And he said in his book about garlic presses, if you can't take the time to chop your own garlic, then you don't deserve garlic. So I've always <laughs> avoided the garlic press like the plague. But I tell you what, I bought one recently and I think I am sold because it just makes it so much easier you don't have the garlic smell all over your hands for a day or two after you chop it. It makes it nice and fine, especially for marinades and sauces, if you want to get mm -hmm. like a good crushed garlic. And it's so much faster. So I'm sold on the garlic press now. Sorry, Anthony Bourdain. I hope you're not listening. <laughs> you are. You've lost the pride. Uh, I know. I know. I'm a disappointment <laughs> to the cooking world, but the garlic press, I'm pretty happy with it. So to well, round things out. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'll let you take the lead on this one. 
Okay, okay. I forget who. I think you asked the last one, so I was going to ask this one. But That's fine. So, Rachel, as somebody who's looking to learn a little bit more um, about just the cooking world in general, do you have any secret cooking tips or hacks that you want to share with our audience here today? I don't know how secret they are, Brayton, but I would say definitely tweak your recipes, right? Mm-hmm. So it cooking is all to your own taste. So there's a lot of things like seasoning to taste, making sure that it tastes good to you, adding extra ingredients if you like a certain flavor, but it's not in the recipe. That doesn't mean that it's off limits for that recipe. So try it and see if you like it in there. I'm a big garlic girl. And so if some recipes don't have garlic or don't have a lot of garlic, then I'll definitely increase the garlic. Uh, One of the things that I read in Anthony Bourdain's book as well is instead of using onion, use shallot. It's got a much more complex flavor. So I wouldn't recommend that with every dish, but if there is a particular dish that you really like that has onion in it, then maybe give it a try and see if you like it. Um, Also, butter. Butter and fat is very important to cooking. I I don't say go overboard on those things because it's not good for you, obviously. But if you really want your dish to taste good, finish it with butter. Montero Vert. That's uh, uh, the French way of saying finish with butter. So that's what restaurants do. And that's why their food tastes so good. Finish mm-hmm. with butter. How and about you? Who doesn't you? love butter? Uh, who doesn't love butter, right? <laughs> How about you, Brayton? Do you have a cooking tip or a cooking hack you want to share? For me, it might be a common knowledge to uh, the the audience that's older than college age. But for me, something <laughs> I've learned pretty recently is kind of just getting uh, the more basic and whole food ingredients on your mm-hmm. grocery list, less mm-hmm. processed foods, less um, frozen foods or or heat up and eat kind of foods. And more so like nowadays when I go grocery shopping, it's like I get I know the things that I like to cook a lot with are mushrooms, spinach, mm. you know, onions. Maybe I'll get some shallots now. I hadn't heard of that substitute with onions for shallots, but um and uh just being able to make a whole bunch of different recipes with similar ingredients uh mm. saves you money at the grocery store, um helps you become a better cook if you're in my position. Mm-hmm. Um and and I think cooking is one of the fun things that you can do to bring people together. So I would say um, if you don't cook too much, maybe try and go out of your way to find a reason to cook, or maybe take a, take a recipe from this podcast and go test it out. But, uh, yeah, my tip would just be to try and buy more whole foods and foods that, you know, are, are versatile and you can cook a bunch of different recipes with. Mm, great advice. Well, this has been fun. I'm very hungry now after we've talked about food for the the last little bit. But um, I just want to say thanks again to Daniel for coming on the show, talking about renewable energy and solar. Uh, Again, that was a great conversation. And thank you, Brayton, for stepping up and coming on the show, being our co-host. I'm really excited for our future episodes that we've got planned for this year. So glad that you can be a part of that as well. And thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And as always, we'll catch you in the next episode.